All right, good afternoon. We are so glad to be back with you. I'm Bob, joined uh, today with Todd, and we are coming at you from Maranatha Bible Church, located in Comstock Park, Michigan, for another episode of our pastor's podcast, um, Edifying the Saints. So uh, we are continuing our series on what we're calling Family Matters. Uh, We had looked at just kind of a general introduction the first time we got together, Uh, And then last week we talked about what biblical manhood was, which I think is just a very important topic, Mm. uh, men being men of the Bible. And so as promised, today we are talking about biblical womanhood. We want the ladies to feel left out. We don't want them to feel left out. And, uh, you know, God has a special place for um, both genders, male and female. And uh, so we really hope to highlight that. Um, this afternoon. But before we get into that, I do want to give a quick plug. We do have our missions conference coming up. Um, so f- uh, Saturday night, <clears throat> Saturday night they have the RSVP, right? Correct. And then we have a special dinner, um, and we have uh, Dr. Dave Dorn coming, and he's going to be speaking. And then also that Sunday, or uh, sorry, even on that Saturday, we have one of our Finnish mission, or our Finnish missionary coming over. Him and his son will be here for that Saturday. And then on Sunday, we have uh, Dave Dorn's going to be teaching Sunday morning. And then Mishka is going to be doing the equipping hour. Yeah, first weekend in October. And uh, if you're in the area, we'd love to have you. If you're at our church, we really, really hope you can come. This is going to be a sweet time for us as a church just to encourage our missionaries, spend some time with them, and then then just remind ourselves of what missions is. Very Mm. important topic and uh, it's going to be just a great time, some great food, and uh, hearing about what the Lord's doing uh, around the world as well. So uh, we really hope you can come. Please join us for that meal, and then for the Saturday evening and Sunday morning. Yeah, awesome. It's going to be a great time. So as we jump off, we uh, talking about biblical womanhood. <clears throat> Sorry. We want to start in the same place as it is with biblical manhood. We know biblical manhood gets a lot of pushback. And really for a few of the same reasons, but some unique reasons as well, why biblical womanhood also is such a controversial topic. Uh, biblical womanhood kind of goes in the face of two cultures, right? You have the culture itself, uh, which is around the church, that's saying, hey, women, you should be working outside the home. You need to be just like a man, and uh, you know they're no better than you are. And then you also have the biblical uh, kind of church culture where we get the egalitarian and complementarian mix too. So before we jump into what is biblical womanhood, let's talk about that a little bit. So let's start off with, uh, you know, looking at uh, the culture. How does our general culture view womanhood, so to speak? Well, obviously it goes back to what we talked about last time. Our, our culture is is uh, opposed to God's design. It's attacking God's design. So this is uh, satanic. This is what Satan wants to do. He wants to erase and erode the distinctions between male and female because they're designed by God. So part of Satan's strategy is to attack, uh, to attack God's design. And so he's going after you know everything, including roles and the roles of men and women. And so in your, our culture, we're just going to naturally see uh, a desire to dismiss the differences between males and females, and we're, we're really living in almost an androgynous culture. We're, we're seeing this push of transgenderism and a desire to just smooth out and flatten out the differences between male and female. And on the contrary, the Bible says 
We should celebrate those differences. We should celebrate those differences. There is a sweetness in those differences. They're complementary. That's why we're complementarian here yeah. at Maranatha. We're not egalitarian. We, we believe that God has created male and female to be equal in value, but not equal in function. Right. And so Satan has, has really leveled his, his attacks against that. And so women in our culture are getting attacked on this front That's right. from media to movies, to politics, to just a, an entire social agenda that really wants to destroy a woman's understanding of mm. what God has designed her to be. So just by living in America, living in this culture, they're going to get it. Yeah, and it's kind of an overshot, right, of an overcorrection of kind of abuse that happens. So we say, okay, because this is wrong, abuse is wrong, and because this model didn't work, so now we're going to overswing to the other side, so now our culture goes that way. And it's the same thing we see in the church with, you know, we say the complementarianism in the church where we have a very same value, but we have distinct roles within the church. So women do have a very vital part to play in the church, and what happens is when men start to step back from those roles, women are going to naturally take on those roles because they see that needs to be done, and so now mm -hmm. they're going to take that over. So now you have this reversal even within the church, and so you have women as pastors, elders, women who are, who are shepherding other men, uh, which is uh, directly contrary to what uh, the Word of God says. So not only in our culture, but also in our church. Yeah, and so you have within the church culture, you have, I think you mentioned it, evangelical feminism, right. uh, which is a desire to, to erase those distinctions. And the, the text that is normally addressed in this issue is Galatians 3, 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so, you know, they would look at that passage and say, well, look, here's a biblical text that says there is no distinction whatsoever uh, between male or female. And that's not the context of the passage. He's not dealing with roles. Right. Paul's dealing with the gospel and the, the fact that it's Christ... He's everybody. He's dealing with everybody. Mm -hmm. If you're in Christ, you know, those, those distinctions that are highlighted by our culture are done away with, but he's not addressing roles there. So, but what we have in our church culture today is a desire to really move women towards everything that men can be doing, including, as you said, elders, pastoring, preaching, and, and those kinds of things. And that's not to dismiss the roles of women. We don't That's want right. to say that women can't do certain things in the church. It's just in those parameters, God is very clear. And so all this just underscores the fact that the women of our church and the women in the church in general are being attacked. They are. They're being attacked in, in what it means to truly be women. And we, we want to, I guess, maybe bring that back to the uh, biblical balance. Mm. And we will want to encourage the women of our church and any other women who are listening that you are vital. You have a massive role to play in our church or your church, in your home, in your family, as God has called you to. And don't let the culture or even a church culture That's right. uh, dissuade you from being what God has called you to be. Yeah, because here, you know, here's what happens is when you're trying to keep up with the culture or you're trying to keep up with what the the church in general is saying, you're actually missing out on what the Bible says, exactly. and then you're missing out on a blessing to yourself, but also being a blessing to the church that you're part of. Yeah. Um, and so let's talk about the high calling of biblical womanhood, and I, and I really want to emphasize that, that God has given women this high calling to, uh, to serve in the church, and there are very specific commands to women 
who are in the church and how they are to be in the church, just like there are commands to men and how they are to be in the church. Um, and so really, you know, we oftentimes um, go to Proverbs 31, and I think Proverbs 31 is a fantastic example. Um, so I'm not downplaying that at all. And, and, uh, but I, I, I really enjoy the text of Titus 2. And I think we oftentimes forget that Titus 2 is, is uh, uh, written for every woman in the church, single women, married women, working women, stay-at-home mom, like the whole gamut of ladies, because it's written so specifically to Christian women. Right, and so this is biblical womanhood. Biblical womanhood across the board. There's no, yeah. The only distinction we'll see in Titus are the older women and the younger women. And I would never call a woman old, so it's up to those <laughs> women to distinguish who they are. And as we start smart out, man. very yeah, smart man, wisdom born of pain. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's important to start out, and I, uh, I just want to make sure you understand when we speak of old and young, really doesn't have anything to do with the age necessarily. Uh, we would say the experienced 35-year-old woman who, you know, uh, has 20 years of experience as a believer, she's able to disciple even a 45-year-old new believer. Yeah. And so don't think of age as in, well, she's old and she's young, and so I can't talk to her, but I can talk to her. We're talking about kind of time in the saddle, if you will. That's right. uh, and so let's, let's just start out. We just wanted to have a conversation walking through Titus 2, and specifically starting in verse 3 and 4. I'll just read them to give us a little bit of context. And what Paul says here, uh, he says in Titus 2, verse 3, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips or enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. And then in verse 4, so that they may instruct the women, the young women in sensibility, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God uh, will not be slandered. So, First of all, we have this command here in verse 3, the older women. Likewise, so he's actually referencing back, right, to verse 1 as he's talking to the older women. Yeah. Um, but what are older men? He, so he's saying, likewise, just like I told the men, you yourself are to be reverent in behavior. So it's amazing how he starts there. Look, older women, reverent in behavior. Let's flesh that out quick. What does that mean? Well, obviously he's talking about character there. He's mm. talking about a woman's conduct, her uh, who she is before the Lord, who she is when no one's looking. He, he's talking about the importance of a holy, godly life, a life that's lived uh, in the fear of the Lord, a life that is lived in, in, in reverence for the Lord and the things of the Lord, a woman who loves Christ. So at the essence of biblical womanhood is a woman who, who recognizes the fact that God has called her to be a holy, hmm. godly woman, a vessel fit for His honor and for His use. And so uh, even before you start talking about what does a woman do, you need to talk about mm. what she is to be. Mm. And so what is she to be? She is to be reverent in her conduct. And that even starts in the heart, a heart that cultivates reverence and holiness for the things of the Lord. That has to be there first because that's what drives the behavior. So he's speaking here, first of all, of a woman who just loves the Lord and loves uh, obedience to him. Yeah, I think it's important to point out, and you, you said this, uh, in your description, but Paul starts here. So he doesn't say, you know, go in and get some women and disciple them. He says, look, you need to make sure that you are reverent in behavior, that what's coming out of your mouth is in your heart. And right. that's those are pure things. That's right. Because if that's off, if, if the reverent, if the behavior is off, we know that the heart is off right. because they are a direct reflection of each other. So first of all, older women, reverent in behavior, that's where we're starting. Secondly, he says, not malicious gossips. And um, malicious gossips, 
I always find it fascinating that um, that's the uh, the same word Diabolos, right, that we get for, for Satan in the Bible, or the devil in the Bible. And so it's this, um, and I like this little, little commentary, it says, they cannot be slanderers and serve God. This exhortation to self-mastery of the tongue is especially directed towards women. However, self-control in this area applies to all Christian mm -hmm. believers. Yeah. And so having control over your tongue, um, as far as like gossiping goes, we know that gossip causes division and, and God hates division in the church. Yeah. I mean, men, men are prone to certain vices, mm. right? We're, we're prone, tend to, tend to be prone towards anger and maybe violence with our fists. Mm. But women are also prone to certain vices and typically uh, a woman, in, in many cases, not always, but is prone to violence with her words. Mm -hmm. And that can come out in slander, or that can come out in this case in lies, or in this case in gossip. And so, again, you're back to character here and being rather than doing. And so, a godly woman, a a woman who's embracing biblical femininity, is a woman who one a woman who guards her tongue. She guards her speech. She's careful of what comes out of her mouth because she understands that out of the heart the mouth mm, speaks. That's good. And so she's very cautious. She doesn't want to cast people in a negative light by uh, saying uh, things about them that are not true. She's very guarded in her speech. Yeah, that's really good. And you can't end everything with bless their heart, right? <laughs> it's still gossip and it's still slander, right. even if you say bless their heart. Right. Um, but uh, and so then you have, so you have not malicious gossip. So we're talking about the heart. We're talking about gossiping was coming out of our mouth and then not enslaved to much wine, right? And so we're talking about now, do we have that control of our appetite? Are we... Are we having the self-control over our speech? Now we're having self-control over our appetite and what comes in. Obviously, you know, we're talking about being a drunkard here, but in the in the ethos of this word, I always find it fascinating that not to be known as somebody who is around the bottle. Exactly. So it's not it's, it's even more than just getting drunk. It's yeah. somebody who is saying, I just need a glass of wine with every single meal. Sure, you're not getting drunk, but you're known to have you're known as a person who has a glass of wine with every single meal. Um, and so you don't want to be known like that in the community, especially as believers. Uh, you don't want to be known as the one who always has to have a beer with their food, always has to have this. And so it's very important for the women as well that they're setting this example. Yeah, and I think sometimes women are prone to this because they, like men, but women can, they bear the pressures of, of home and, and children and perhaps a husband who doesn't love her as he should. And so in many cases, a woman is going to find some false refuge right. uh, to find something to salve the pain. And so oftentimes a woman will run towards this. And she may not, as you said, go towards drunkenness. She may not, she may not uh, be known as the drunkard, but the, the word actually means not to be associated with alcohol. Mm. Not that uh, uh, it's not, not that it's inappropriate at all times, but it's not a woman who's in that environment and constantly characterized by that. So she's very cautious. In yeah, that. that's good. And so then it, you're moving on to the positives. Those are negatives, uh, right? So your behavior is good. You're not gossiping. You're not enslaved to much wine. And now move on to the positive, which you're teaching what is good. And I like the word good in, in the Bible. It's just this kind of general reference uh, to things that are good. But if, if you as an older woman are not showing self-control in these areas and you're not guarding your tongue and you're not worried about your character and you're known to be somebody who is consistently associated with alcohol, um, then you're disqualified for this is essentially what Paul is saying here. 
And uh, so that's the, the purpose that we have is, is to be able to teach the older ladies to be able to teach the younger ladies. Wait, so women have a teaching ministry? Women do have a teaching ministry, absolutely. So flesh that out because oftentimes what you hear today is, well, women can't teach. Right, just a blanket statement. That's not true at it's all. It's not true at all, absolutely. And I, and I think so by saying women can't teach and by, and by making that very uh, broad brush stroke, you've now robbed women of what God has given them to do within the teaching ministry. It is correct to say they're not elders teaching on the pulpit to a mixed crowd on a Sunday morning. Right. The Bible's very clear. But women have a vital teaching role in the church, and Paul is fleshing this out to Titus right here. Absolutely. They have an uh, incredible responsibility to teach younger women. Absolutely. And so we are never at our church going to say women can't teach at Maranatha Bible Church. That's right. No. We're actually training them right now to teach. We're training them to teach <laughs> and not just in an academic setting either. Right. There's a grassroots kind of organic form of teaching that takes place uh, older women to younger women and that is vital to the life of a church. It's vital to biblical womanhood and mm. families and passing the baton from the older godly women to the younger godly women. So, and they have a role I would even add in teaching children and right. that massive responsibility in their home, uh, in the church, and all of those things. So, in this case, though, particularly, she has a massive responsibility to pour her life into mm. other godly women. And so, we never ever want to undermine the huge teaching responsibility that women have in the church. Absolutely. And uh, so then, why are they teaching all of this? It's, it's, you read what Titus says here, or what Paul says here to Titus, so that they may instruct the young women. Uh, young women is what you just said. Their role is to instruct these young women in sensibility. So sensibility, also meaning self-controlled, having their emotions under control, sensibility and pure. And so a woman having control over her physical purity. Uh, and so for the married woman, that's speaking of your marital fidelity. For the single woman, it's speaking of waiting for your husband. But it's also speaking of living a life that's just pure in general and having self-control. So the older woman, by not only example, is what Paul was just, or Paul was just telling Titus about, especially with, with an accordance to your tongue and to your, your um, appetite, now you're also showing the younger you're showing the young woman that, but now since you're showing her that, you can now instruct her in that because you've shown her how to do it, and now you're saying, "Here's why I do these things. Here's the theology behind why I'm doing this stuff." Yeah, and yeah. so they're called to to teach them um, to be that way. And then he says, "Workers at home." Now, this workers at home, um, we you understand. forgot love the husbands and love their children. Oh, love your husband. Oh, oops. Love your husband. I, oh, it is. Encourage young women to love their husband and love their children. Can't skip that one. That's yeah, important. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. I just want to make sure you're paying attention. Yeah, I'm paying so attention. I know sometimes you kind of sleep over there. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but older women are to train younger women to, to really love their husbands. And Absolutely. the word actually there is not agape, it's phileo. Mm. Younger women need to be trained to like their husbands. To like husbands. them. Yeah, right. To, to friendship. Like, yeah, it's a friendship kind of love. And so. <clears throat> You know, sometimes we're not the most likable kind of guys, and that's yeah, on us, that's but on us. our wives need to learn and be taught and instructed and discipled how to love their husbands. And so that's critical, as well as the importance of loving their children. It's the same word, again, to like their children, and we all know at times parenting's not easy. And so uh, women have a massive responsibility here of pouring into children, serving their children, um, investing in their children in, in a way that's going to point them to Christ. Mm. I mean, this this is real ministry right here. Absolutely. 
ministry to your husband, ministry to your children, this is going to sound so... Don't let the culture, don culture downplay what you're saying. Exactly. <clears throat> so, I mean, this is going to sound very countercultural, but a woman who serves her husband and serves her children and makes her home mm. a priority is doing real ministry. Absolutely. And it's vital, eternal ministry that has lasting rewards. And it's hard. And it's hard and it's challenging and it's sanctifying. Um, but we never want to undercut that. That is that is often ministry that goes unnoticed outside of your home. Oh, yeah. But you, you, you are laying a foundation for eternity in those mm -hmm. responsibilities. And so we want to highlight what Paul is telling Titus. Women, you have this massive opportunity mm. to pour your energies into your family, your home, your husband, your children, and um, that's going to have real dividends for each other. And that also shows the importance of family. Yeah. So this is speaking of how the family unit is, in which we'll talk about next time as the importance of a biblical family. But don't miss the point of what Paul is saying here. He's, he's looking at the entire family unit. Like, wives, you have a massive role to play right. within the whole family unit. It's not just... You oftentimes your wife submit to your husband's husband love your wife. Well, that's that's perhaps part of it, but the main thing is, is man, we have these great opportunities to function in such a way that glorifies God. Absolutely. And Paul is highlighting this in his letter to Titus here. Yeah, and, which goes right <laughs> along with the next one: is workers at home and well, the next next one, the next I next one. one. <laughs> uh, but we're going to actually spend a whole podcast mm. talking about this responsibility because it's so controversial. Yeah. And so we thought we'd just kind of hit it here real quick and then come back to it and sort out some of the the nuances of this one. Can a woman work outside the home? Can a man not work outside the home? And mm. have some discussions on that. But bottom line, again, it goes back to what we we're just talking about, the incredible responsibility and opportunity that a woman has uh, to serve her home and her family and use her home as a basis of ministry. And I don't think what Paul has in mind here when he says this is just doing the dishes and dusting and no. cleaning. That's obviously not what he's talking about. It, it's everything that goes into that home. Because that's why you have kids. <laughs> Absolutely. <the> <laughs> well, are we going to say that publicly? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have kids. Slave labor. <laughs> slave labor. <laughs> Lovingly slave labor. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's good. No, that's absolutely right. We'll, 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 uh, we'll touch on that a little bit more. I think it's a super important issue because I think our culture has really diluted what it means. And so you have the feminist movement, then you have evangelical feminists, and it, it's just all messed up to where women are now, you're either, you know, you're, you're labeled one way or another, and it's unfortunate because yeah. God's really given some good yeah. commands. And then, um, you know, being kind. And I like the simplicity of this. Um, and, and I like this. A woman, a woman, I read this in a commentary. It's kind of mixed with my own words. But a woman can be under tremendous pressure at home. Sometimes it can seem like they're living the same day over and over. The household duties can seem mundane and routine. Even in the midst of all of that, she is called to be kind. And a lot of times, you know, the, as you talk about just the normal everyday household work, dishes, laundry, lunches, you know, kids off to school or kids, you're teaching kids school or whatever your routine is, it can become just that, right? Mm -hmm. Just a routine. And all of a sudden, a, a woman looks around, she's like, man, I've been doing this for six years. And as you said previously, one of the most underappreciated roles is a woman who's maintaining her household. Yeah. And so you just need to be kind. And this is Paul's 
telling yeah. the older women, tell these young women, you know what, I understand, yeah. but you just got to be kind. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and then being subject to their own husbands. And I did find this interesting that Paul puts this under the young women part of the exhortation. So as the older women, uh, you know, mastering this, being subject to their own husbands um, and uh, being able to exhort the young women in that. Um, obviously, we're, you know, talking about godly things and, you know, a man doesn't have the sovereign control to tell his wife to do whatever he wants her to do. Um, but uh, there is a, a, an order of and roles in the in the marriage that, um, you know, Paul fleshes that out in some other areas as well. Yeah, and I think, again, I wish we had more time to maybe talk about this one. Maybe we will, but there's so much confusion about this issue, particularly outside the church, but even inside the church, there's confusion about the whole headship and submission thing. And, and uh, oftentimes I think it gets communicated that the husband just leads and the wife just submits. I think right. you just said that a right, few moments right. ago. And, and you reduce roles down to just that. One's the head, one's the follower. And it sounds really demeaning right. when you put it that way, but it's not the case at all. It's, it's really this incredibly glorious, wonderful, functional um, entity that occurs when a husband lovingly leads mm. and a wife graciously comes under him and helps him. And so it's more of a, a leading and a helping. Right. She's his helper. And if you want to get my wife on her soapbox, get, this is the issue. It's not <laughs> just men telling a woman to submit. It's him loving her and her seeing her role as a helper. She's not a submitter. Right. She's a helper. And from part Genesis. Of, from You're Genesis chapter 2. That's right. So part of her role is to then, as it says here in Titus 2, be subject to her own husband's but when that works the way God intends it to work, it's wonderful. Man, there's a sweetness in the marriage, and, and it's like hitting the sweet spot on a on a baseball bat, and and everything functions the way it's supposed to. But it's when a man dom is domineering and harsh, or a woman is that way, or a woman uh, usurps his role, mm. or he becomes passive. It's when these roles get twisted that we start to have problems. But here, Paul is telling the older women to train the younger, younger women to be subject to their husbands. And it's wonderful when it works that way. It is, absolutely. And this is all for a purpose, right? It wasn't so Paul could have power in one area. It wasn't so Titus could have an easy life. It was actually for one very, very important reason. We see that right there in verse 5. And you have the so that, so our purpose clause, so that the word of God will not be slandered, mm. right? And so overall, God is saying we're doing this for the glory of God, mm. and we don't want to see God's word slandered. In effect, God himself being slandered. Yeah. I mean, what, what greater purpose do we have? Yeah, what a privilege to put on display for the watching world and for the Christian community and everyone around us that what God's word says is true. And it works. And it works, and it glorifies him, mm. and it's the best thing for us. And so when, when a woman fails to fulfill biblical womanhood, she actually casts aspersions upon the Word of God. Mm. And that has serious mm. implications to the integrity of God and His Word. And so we never ever want to call into question the veracity of the Word of God. And mm. so uh, you're kind of getting at motives here and, and what's driving Paul in this, but what's driving him is the passion to see the Word of God put on display and shown uh, to be what it really is. Um, so you can look through the rest of Titus 2 and he does some, something mm -hmm. similar with their other qualities that we don't want to dishonor 
the Lord. Verse 10, he says, so that in all good faith they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. That's mm. the idea. Is that this brings glory to God. This this edifies the church. And he this, says adorn. So you're like yeah, putting it on almost. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's what's really at stake here when we're talking about this. That's really good. Uh, and as we, as we close, uh, just a couple points. First of all, um, why is this so important in the church? And just to make the point, Paul is writing to Titus to train the older women to train the younger women. So Paul is not telling Titus to go to the young women. Paul's telling Titus to go to the older women who then have that responsibility to go to the younger women. So from a pastoral standpoint, we are to be a training ministry and we are training those older women. So now you as an older woman, whatever category you put yourself in, if it's older woman, not you, but the women who are watching, um, then now they have a responsibility because that's not on our shoulders as pastors because yeah. Paul specifically tells Titus here, look, you're pastoring a church in Crete and you're setting up these various churches in Crete. Make sure that these older women are trained so that they can go out and train the younger women in the church. Paul didn't tell Titus to do that. Yeah. Or another way of saying what you're saying is <clears throat> as pastors, we are making an appeal <laughs> To you older woman, women saying, this is your privilege and your responsibility. So find those younger women That's right. and pour into them and invest your life into them and teach them about biblical femininity and, and instruct them and teach them and model and disciple, uh, model for and disciple these younger ladies. That, that is one of the massive privileges you have as a woman to do that. That's right. And if you're a younger woman listening to this, then seek this out. Mm -hmm. Go find this. Go, go say to that older godly woman that you respect in our church or somewhere else that's modeling this and has been doing this for years and has modeled uh, fidelity in her marriage and has raised children and has you know faithfully served her husband and all of that stuff. Go, go find those women. And say help. And say help <laughs> and attach yourself to them and just say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to the grocery store with you and I want Absolutely. you to... Just talk to me and... See how they do life. See how they do life. And this is not programmed. You can't program this. Yeah. It's all just kind of grassroots, organic. And But when that's taking place, man, there's, there's a sweetness. There's a sweetness there. There is. And, you know, here's the alternative. Let me read you a quote from a popular Christian female um, author speaking specifically on biblical womanhood. She said to cast off the traditional views of biblical womanhood because biblical womanhood has, has, quote, enslaved women to outdated commands. So here's what she says. We don't have to interpret the Bible literally for it to be meaningful and powerful and to draw us closer to God. Mm. And so she's, she's encouraging young women to cast off what the Bible says literally. So what we just went through, she would say, look, that's far too literal. That's outdated. Not, yeah, outdated, antiquated, whatever yeah. they want to call it. Here's what you need to be doing instead. And then she goes through everything the culture would say. And that's, by the way, in the church. That's a quote-unquote Christian writer whose books are in mainstream church. And so it's either we are discipling our women and our older women are doing it, or our younger women are going to go somewhere else and find these other ladies who are going to be tickling their ears. There is no alternative. It's tragic. That is tragic. Yeah, it's very tragic. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you understand that we want to encourage women to disciple and counsel and teach other women. 
And I hope that you can put yourself in one of those categories, either an older woman or a younger woman. Please don't come to us to ask. <laughs> We're going to leave that up to you. Uh, and so I hope you guys uh, uh, enjoyed that. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday, um, and have a great rest of your week.